Yes, of course. Burl Bearer. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Live from the gleaming, streamlined, state-of-the-art studios. Oh, my kidding. Is Dumbo said, what a dump. <laughs> true Crime Uncensored, America's premier true crime podcast, celebrating 13 years with no improvements. I am the legendary Burl Bear, fact checker. Boy, ain't that the truth. Yeah, Mark C.G. Boyer. Producer, Magic Matt Allen. And on the phone... Hi there, I'm good, how are you? Better and better every day in every way. I don't know if you heard me or not, but we were discussing Dorothy Parker. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, she said she could make a joke out of any word, and someone said horticulture. And she promptly replied, you can lead a horticulture, but you can't make her think. Ah, <laughs> brilliant. She was a brilliant woman. Which brings Thank us you. not to you personally, but to a part you played in a motion picture. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it wasn't Dorothy Parker. No, you didn't play no. Dorothy Parker. You no. played opposite Nicolas Cage. Yes. That must have been an interesting experience. This is, by the way, we're talking to John Mack, J-O-N, not J-O-H-N, John Mack, in some of my favorite films, like Camel Spiders. (laughs) Yeah. It's a classic. It is. Camel Spiders are among the largest spiders on Earth, which is the only planet we're really concerned with today. Well, the bird-eating spiders. Oh, yeah, the bird-eating spider is a big one, but... Sci-Fi Channel hasn't done well on the birding. Spider yes, they did. They, 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 they did, and our uh, yes. guests will attest. Yes. A lava lantula. A lava lantula. Yes. They I had a lava, lava lamp. Spewing because... A lava spewing tarantula. A lava spewing tarantula. You weren't in that movie, though, were you, John? Lava lantula, I was. I was in oh. actually both of them. There was a first one, and there was a sequel. <laughs> Why aren't yeah, these are the first thing on your resume? <laughs> they should be right up there at the top. We yes, have uh, yes. <laughs> we have friends of the show. Um, we do. Yes, we do. We have friends of the show that uh, got themselves cameos in the Sharknado series. Oh, I like the Sharknado right. series. Yes, they get munched in the beginning of the films. Oh, how fun! That's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, mean, I like I like Sharknado three. I think is the one that goes, "Oh hell no!" <laughs> this is slogan. <laughs> oh hell no! Not Sharknado three. Hey, that's the one that was in Vegas. I always thought it was cool that, what was his name, Finn? <laughs> the hero? Anyway, we're, we yes. digress. And there you were, minding your own business as a young child, and you said to yourself, how do I get the hell out of here and become an actress? Is that- <laughs> well, you know, I don't, I'm, I don't think a Not you, her. Myself, but- how did you go from being a, a young child with great potential to being in Lava Lavalantula. <laughs> well, it's funny. My mother uh, was a drama uh, theater director and drama teacher, so I grew up like doing plays and musicals and all kinds of stuff. So it was kind of it was kind of in me from the start. But um, yeah, you know, just I always knew I was you know going to kind of move to New York and then try LA out and just you know spread my wings and you know get to the big city. Ah. Now I want to get back to working with Nicolas Cage because there's a whole there's a whole fan group of Cage fans or Cage matches <laughs> where where it's like you know Al Pacino's acting style has changed over the years where he gets like chewing the scenery. Yes. And uh, kind of the same with Nicolas Cage. It's like, what movie is Nicolas Cage really weird in this time? <laughs> it's his signature now. He's known for being one of the more eclectic 
Yeah. I think of the actors. Yeah, for sure. And I always wonder, is that a career choice or is that a developmental thing within the acting style? Huh, that's interesting. Very interesting. What do you think? I mean, you worked with him. Was he? Yes. What was he like to work with? He was incredible, really, really professional. Um, in fact, he he knew the script backwards and forwards, and the director was even kind of joking and said, he, you know, even though he wrote it, that Nick knew the script better than he did. So he was very <laughs> thorough <laughs> and very, you know, like, uh, I don't know, just a really a joy to work with, really cool person and, and down to earth and, you know, and, and also a very professional actor. So I have all good things to say about Nick. He's, he's great. The thing I find fascinating about actors... And I've only been in, what, one or two films with one or two lines. And those were mostly done in the dressing room before the cameras were rolling. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, the, uh, uh, an actor can be so good that you don't know how good they are because you don't know what they're doing. You're just yeah. seeing the performance. I was watching Richard Gere in the movie where he plays Clifford Irving. Now, how many people know... What Clifford Irving, Clifford Irving speech patterns? Virtually, I mean, out of a ten million people, maybe five, right? Yeah, yeah. I happen to know Clifford Irving speech patterns because I did the ad campaign for Orson Welles' movie F for Fake, which features Clifford Irving a great deal. And mm-hmm. I was stunned how absolutely dead on accurate Richard Gere was in playing Clifford Irving. He wow. had exactly how he spoke, his speech pattern, breathing patterns. I mean, everything was absolutely accurate. I mean, he didn't have to do that because who would have known? Right. But right, right. he knew. Yeah, and, Richard Gere is a very underrated actor. He's really good. He's not gotten a lot of credit for his abilities, but no, he, he's he's one of the, he's a true actor. Well, yeah, that really convinced me when I saw that film that he didn't have to do that. Right. He didn't have, he could have done it like Hopalong Cassidy. No one would have known the difference. He <laughs> <laughs> said maybe That's Clifford true. Irving would have known, but. <laughs> I was I was really impressed. So of course, did you uh, did you start off in film? I mean, I know you're also a musician. We'll get to that. And you love animals, and they they write you fan letters, and you're very close. <laughs> yeah. Pretty talented animals. You're very talented oh, animals. Yeah. They have good taste in, in people who endorse them. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> did you start off like doing background work, and then gradually kind of like got someone's attention, like in Working Girl, you know. <laughs> I mean, I did, you know what, when I first moved to, to California, I did a few like background parts just to get, just to get experienced and to get on the set and, um, to get, to get, you know, in front of people. And, uh, and then it gradually worked up from there. I mean, I, I was studying the whole time. Uh, I went to NYU to study, uh, theater and film. And then, and then when I moved out to California, I was studying as well. So the whole time I was saying, but it was good to get on the set and just, you know, be around it. Um, and then from there, yeah, auditioning and, you know, working my way up. One of my first roles I got was actually playing Ava Gardner in the film with Halle Berry, introducing yes. Dorothy Dandridge. Yes, I yeah, saw that. Yeah, that was fun. That was really fun. That was one of my first big jobs I ever booked. So it was really, really a pleasure and honor to play Ava Gardner, who I thought was always an amazing did, woman. Did, did Frank Sinatra Jr. call you up and want to take you out? <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it. <laughs> I mean, it was you know, it's always an honor to be to be cast as a woman as spectacular as she was. I thought she was quite yeah. quite something else, you know. Oh, I don't want to get back on the, the film you did with Nicolas Cage. You were blonde and had shorter hair. Yeah. And every yes, other thing, was, every other time I've seen you in a, in a movie, you've had long dark hair and you had short mm-hmm. blonde hair. Was that your own short blonde hair, or did they wiggify you? 
Uh, wiggified me, yeah. <laughs> I've only been... I wiggled, yeah. yeah. I got wiggified once going to uh, someone's bar mitzvah. I had long hair like yours, and they uh-huh. were very conservative, so they had me wear a short-haired wig. Oh, great. <laughs> millinery, millinery, aisle four. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, it was used to, yeah. the thing that goes across your your, your forehead, you know, to hold the, the wig on, you know. Oh yes, was yes. too tight, and Ooh. like cut the blood supply off to my brain. <laughs> oh my goodness, yeah, it's it, it, it's annoying if you're not used to it, especially like after the whole day wearing that. My gosh. So yeah, they piled up your long dark hair. I saw some movie, one of those like Return of the Living Dead or something, Volume Two. Mm-hmm. Where they cast the dark-haired girl as the blonde, and the blonde-haired girl as the dark-haired girl. I always wonder if they do that on purpose just to screw with people, because they could have done it. <laughs> the blonde is the blonde, and the dark-haired girl is the dark-haired girl. I, I would, I would suspect that they picked the individual they thought would best portray that character, and any physical attributes that have to be adjusted come along for the ride. <laughs> Not these that days. Sounds right. <laughs> <Yes>. That sounds right. <laughs> that sounds very nice spin for both of them. The hey. only thing both of them had to do was to dance in a graveyard. So <laughs> I, I don't think those were primary considerations. I think the casting directors have a heck of a good time. Oh, so, yeah. <laughs> so how did you go from a, a standard uh, telepic to uh, horror? To what? Um, you know, it's interesting because it's kind of been across the board for me. Like, I'm not sure. It's just kind of where, where I, where I was cast. And it's funny because I went to horror for a bit and now lately it's been more, um, action or sci-fi. So it kind of goes where it goes. And, and I just see it myself as an actor. So I, I just, I like all kinds of diverse roles and challenges but um yeah horror i think is also where i i learned a lot i cut my teeth a lot um i did a lot of horror early in my career which was great because it's you know it's easier to break into horror when you're starting out just trying to build up your experience and your credits um and horror is you know it's a very tight-knit community so everyone seems to know each other which is also nice yeah it's also the same with people who build the props yes (laughs) specialized props friend of mine was a person who, uh, Leilon Burner is her name. She made the, like, the giant Pepsi cans for the print ads where the woman's leading oh, against nice. the giant, you know. And she took a, uh, a year or two off to do something else and then came back. And she worried that she wouldn't, you know, be able to get back in. They just assumed she was off on, on a movie for a shoot for a couple of years. Because oh, it's such a great. small community, it's still right back in. Oh, you're back. Good, great. You know, here, go build a giant whatever this is. You know? <laughs> we were talking, uh, John and I were talking on the phone last night, and the 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 horror community, meaning the H kind, with the you know, uh, very tight knit and mutually supportive. It's the same in true crime, and people mm-hmm. will ask, "Well, what does what does John Mack have to do with the true crime?" And I said, "Well, she did the Amityville murders, which is one of the most famous yep. true crime stories that was turned into horror stories." Mm-hmm. And yes. what was when you're working on a film such as the Emeryville Murders? Mm-hmm. What is the atmosphere on set? Um, it's interesting because that yeah, I, I, you think usually with something like that because that is a true crime story, not just horror. I think it's more a little more respectful and somber because they're really trying to recreate it as much as possible. 
um, including the house. I mean, they obviously we didn't shoot in the in the original house because I, I think they've changed it since then. I believe, um, right? I don't think it looks quite like that anymore. I'm not sure, but um, they had to uh, they had to rebuild it, you know, a replica of it. So it was kind of interesting. It was like literally like stepping back in time, mm. you know, in the house and everything was decorated as as close to as it was um, when that yeah, happened. Yeah, so. Yeah. It was it was interesting and and to see you know all the actors um, playing the different roles. I mean, you're playing real life people, so like you were saying before about the Richard Gere role. I feel like when you're playing a real life person, there's you, more. Did you uh, were you playing a real life person or were you playing a composite character or whatever? I think it was more of a composite character. Her name's Edith, and I I do believe she's the one who sold them the the, the Lutt family. She sold the Lutt family the house. Well, good so, for her. Uh, she, <laughs> Yes, and she apparently she knew what happened there. I don't believe the Lutt family knew when they moved in, but um, she knew what happened there. And uh, yeah, no, it was, it, it was you know I never saw really footage of her, so I kind of had to go off my own imagination. It wasn't like the DeFeos where there was footage of them, and you know. Mm-hmm. So, but she was a real life character. I know that she actually did sell the house to the Lutz. You know, there was uh, two versions made of uh, Mom Said Kill, which is a book, a uh, true crime book I did. The two two little docudrama things into an ID where they have hold the presses, hold the presses. Yeah, it took seventeen James minutes. minutes. Seventeen minutes. He tracks how long it takes before I plug one of my own books. Anyway, <laughs> they, <laughs> there were two versions in the same season on two different shows. One, they cast a woman who looked a great deal like the real woman, who's a heavy set mm-hmm. person. The other one cast someone who looked like. You know, some hot fox chickette, you know. <laughs> there was just no resemblance at all. Story was the same, but I always wonder about those casting decisions. There used to be a casting agent on this show, Matt Allen's show. He comes out on right after this, but he finally got fed up and retired. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I think sometimes, you know, it's interesting because um, I believe Diane Franklin plays the, Mrs. DeFeo, the mom, and... You know, obviously they don't they don't look alike in a sense, but she she acted the way that you know pretty much Mrs. DeFeo acted. So it's, it's interesting how they they sometimes take liberties with the way that actors' appearances um, versus their mannerisms, and then sometimes they nail it where they actually do find an actor that is actually the doppelganger of that mm. person. So it depends maybe on the film. Uh, or the production, but um, yeah, I, I I feel like they try to get it at least the mannerisms close enough. Uh-huh. That makes sense. So, uh, I'm a huge fan of the genre we're talking about. Uh, way back to my childhood watching Creature Feature on, you know, local channels. I bet you like Tarantula with Leo G. Carroll. Oh, that was awful. <laughs> but, but then, you know, watching the, at the time, uh, personalities making fun of the silly things. Um, yeah. did you ever... Did you ever get a chance to work with either Troma Corp or uh, Roger Corman? I did. I did do a film with uh, Roger Corman, for Roger Corman, uh, with Michael Madsen. Ooh. Uh, about, yeah, it was about 11, 11 years ago, so it was called Into the Woods. And ah. it's actually, yeah, it's not a horror necessarily, but it was for Roger Corman. But it's and, more of um, a, you know, a slasher. Yeah, yeah. It was it was actually more of a family film, believe it or not. It's kind of funny because the director that did it, uh, Jim Winorski, is known for doing like Chopping Mall and some of these, you know, old slasher <laughs> I love films. that title, <laughs> Chopping Mall. Yeah, that's one of his big titles. And he actually did Camel Spiders, which I was in as well. Oh, I, I But not, no, no Trauma Corp. 
No. No, I, 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 no but I've, I've, uh, I, did a, I did a skit uh, for Lloyd uh, and my friends at Sinatel a few years ago. So I actually did work with Lloyd in a skit, believe it uh. or not. It was kind of funny. Um, but it was for a comedy thing. It wasn't a film. But I did, I did get to shoot a scene with Lloyd himself. Yeah, some of my favorite, uh, you know, silliness, you know, not surf Nazis must die. And <laughs> surf oh, Nazis. Yeah. Surf Nazis must die, one of my favorites. Yeah. <laughs> you know, on the Toxic sense. Avenger. And it's, that's, well, yeah, well, yeah. Toxic, that's classic. Uh, so the next, following on that theme, um, uh, Roger did a movie called Carnosaur. Mm-hmm. And I remember dragging friends to the, the Paramount, you know, in Hollywood. To see the premiere, big giant dinosaur in the front. Uh, Ron Howard's brother, Clint, is in the movie. And he has a fabulous death where the dinosaur bites his head off. Dinosaur <laughs> bites his head off. Bites his head off, yes. I Probably one of those vegetarian dinosaurs miscast. <laughs> I see. Did, have you had any death scenes that you found memorable? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I have, actually. I think my, my favorite one <laughs> was, uh, was man, many years ago, uh, I, was, I was eaten by a tree. Eaten by a tree. Yeah. His bite yeah. was worse than his bark in that situation. <laughs> it was, it was uh, yeah. But I've had, I've had some interesting, I think that was a good one. I've had some, you know, I've been, I've been shot. I've been, uh, a lot of being shot. Uh, let's see, what else? <laughs> I think mostly shot or eaten by, you know, strange beings. But no dinosaurs yet. I'm maybe one of these days. <laughs> that would be an honor. You didn't I, get, I, I, you I, didn't I, get I, level, level, level. What, what was it? Is, uh, lava lantula. I can't even yes. say it. It's a tarantula <laughs> that's, that spews lava. That must have an interesting digestive system. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it's a coal, nickel and cobalt interior to keep the lava oh, hot. It takes a while for it. Gee. <laughs> Who comes up with this stuff? Whoever came up with Sharknado was really smart. I love oh, we've that. Had, we've had him on the show. Who did we have on? Uh, the Matt, Matt Show? Matt Show. The one that follows this. Matt's had the producer on a number of times. He's a, he's a great big guest. Well, I just... Which, I, is how, which is how we got our friends uh, to do cameos, like uh, Robert Hayes and uh, Kato Kalin. To get, <laughs> Kato, no, they got them Kato Kalin does most of his cameos <laughs> in airports. Oh, well, oh yeah, so uh, Hayes was, you know, of course, flying a plane when he gets eaten. <laughs> he has to get flying a plane. And it was uh, Sharknado 3 or 4 where uh, Carrot Top gets eaten. Yeah. Well, it, the know, crowd cheered in that one. That whole bit, oh, yeah. that, that whole celebrity getting eaten. I like to win, uh, what's her name? You remember her? <laughs> oh, yeah. What's her yeah. name? <laughs> The politician Bachman, whatever her name is. Yeah. Anyway, we're we're digressing again. Playing for keeps. Yeah. You were a soccer mom. Did you have to learn soccer in order to be a soccer mom? No, no. I just I just had a I had to hit hit on Gerard Butler. Oh right. <laughs> and I got to act with uh, Dennis Quaid as well, which was great. Dennis is awesome. So you also star Jessica Biel, Uma Thurman, and Catherine mm-hmm. Zeta Jones. What a cast! Mm-hmm. What a lineup! Yeah. Well, you've worked with some interesting people. I don't know if they were on the set at the same time you were, but at least you got to be on the same list of people when they run the credits. Yeah, yeah. No, I've been I've been really blessed to work with some incredible actors. Definitely. Luke Wilson. Hmm. Uh, yes, that's. Uh... You were in Spiders and Camel Spiders. Yeah. You've probably got I, 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 I arachnophobia by now. I know, right? 
I've had my share of spider films, I think, for a while. <laughs> Is there a lot, a lot of blue squid or green squid involved in those films? Um, some, but uh, yeah, there was some some involved. I mean, definitely with like Lava Lanchula, there was a lot of green screen in that one for sure. Uh, and Spiders 3D, we shot that in Bulgaria, uh, actually on the sound stage. So not a lot of green screen, but they did it later on, I believe, with the spiders. So yeah. you, you've traveled all over the world. Do you have a favorite place you like to visit outside of where we is? Um, I, I mean, I love traveling and I love going to so many places. But, you know, I have affinity. I've shot like three uh, three films there now, like South America in general. I love it there. It's mm -hmm. so beautiful. Yes. And, um, yeah, the people are so nice and the food is amazing. And I just, I always like going down there for some reason. I just, I, I've shot two films in Colombia, actually three films in Colombia. Um, so, You've yeah, done Peru I, yet? I've been to Peru, but I've not shot a film there. But I have visited Peru. I went to I went to all Machu the Machu Picchu. Picchu. Yes, yeah, I love Machu Picchu. It was oh, fascinating. Yeah. Well, they have they have a cream that will take care of that now. They do Machu Picchu will fix that. <laughs> yes, you go to Lake Titicaca. Yes, yeah, that's <laughs> it's a famous place. That's it beautiful. is the highest navigable lake in the world. Mm -hmm. The air is it's a mile higher than Denver. The air is very thin. Don't run up the stairs. No. <laughs> You'll no. pass out. Yeah, yeah. In, in, in Peru, in general, everything is so... That's why the, when you arrive at your destination or your hotel, they always seem to have, like, co uh, coca tea and coca leaves, which yes. you never see here, but it's very popular there and very common. Yeah, yeah. because they, they chew it because it's like uh, caffeine level. Caffeine it helps <laughs> your lungs, yeah, yeah. The caffeine is something something with helping you breathe easier, I believe. In the, in the yeah. Also, if you're uh, folks, if you do go to uh, Puno or Cusco, Lake Titicaca, uh, on every street corner they have stacks of soft drinks like Inca Cola, which is a nationalized brand of cola, kind of looks like cream soda, and that's because of the blood sugar problems you have if you're not from there with the high altitude. You need to consume. <laughs> <laughs> You need to drink pure sugar practically to keep going. Amazing. So uh, I made I made the mistake of running up a flight of stairs while I was there, and I. I oh <laughs> no! Yeah. yeah, it's it's whole, it's it's so challenging for us who are those of us who are don't you know don't live there or are not used to it. Yeah, it's really yeah. really a, yeah. And also in the same country, you could wind up going down by the uh, the Amazon rainforest or whatever. Where it's you know just the opposite. You got the mm -hmm. jungles and. All those strange creatures. Probably the mm -hmm. kind of spiders you're used to from being in those spider movies. Right, <laughs> right, exactly. I was looking I never up. knew there were so many. <laughs> I looked up those camel spiders uh, just last night after we were talking. And those things are awfully large. They're probably larger in the movie than they are in real life. And <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, just a little bit. They, now, they Matt says they're not really that big. <laughs> no, I mean, they're too big for probably most people to be comfortable with, for sure, for the for having them, you know, be a spider. But, but yeah, in the movie they they, they did the sci-fi treatment where they, you know, made it monstrous. Made it monster size instead of just, yeah. you know, big well, enough been, to play with. There's been with. a lot of those, you know, eight-legged yeah. freaks. I like eight-legged freaks. I like the spiders too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was uh, that was well done. Uh, William Shatner did just. Oh man, it was awful. The Kingdom of the Spiders. <laughs> The what spiders? Kingdom of the spiders. Oh, Kingdom of the spiders. They have a oh, hard yeah. time with royalty in the spider community. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny you said eight-legged freaks. It's the same uh, same director who did Lava Lanchula, the first one. I'm glad he could pronounce it. I'm glad you can, because I can't. Lava. <laughs> Lava? 
Lava Lantula, yeah. I could say Lava Lamp. <laughs> lava, yeah, lava Lamp. Yeah, Lava Lamp. It's quite a mouthful, I know. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, what's the currently on your agenda? Do you have uh, any upcoming film work, or are you out you know, holding a sign on Hollywood Boulevard? Oh, no, no. I'm Luckily, I'm, I have some things coming up here now that we're getting back to, you know, back to it. Hopefully, if we can get back to our normal. Oh, God, yes, and, please. Yeah, yeah, I know. I think it's been a hard year for everyone in, in our industry, unfortunately. But um, luckily, I know next month I'm supposed to be working on something really exciting, uh, more of the action type of vein. Uh, so I can't say too much now, but it's got a really good cast. And um, stay tuned. It's going to be fun. You know what, what yeah. I think you'd be you'd be good if they made a film out of our mutual friend Mia Mosin Zia has this love story well once with this <laughs> I can't kick yeah. out of it, where the guy says I'll I'll never fall in love I'll be a bachelor forever you can't fool me I got no time for love and of course what happens <laughs> the massage right jerk falls in love <laughs> screws yeah. the whole thing up it's <laughs> true it kind of reminded me of. Uh, a twisted version of an affair to remember. You know, oh the, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. With the, with the ending, I won't give away the ending, but oh, well, isn't that Clark Gable? Uh, no, uh, but it had that kind of feel to it. Uh, mm -hmm. He uh, he writes very interesting books because they're never what they seem to be. You know, there's always something strange <laughs> under the surface going on that I find <laughs> intriguing. He writes one of it was a, I don't know whether it's a strange loyalist or whatever where. The guy is a champion of women's rights, and he hates women. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just, I mean, talk about a guy who's conflicted. Yeah, no kidding. But wow. I could understand that one. <laughs> I, I don't hate women. Honestly, I don't. Some of my best friends are women, including my mother uh -huh. and my sister. So you're not a misogynist? Uh, no, I'm a massage therapist. Oh, uh, <laughs> I think you're more of a misanthrope, but that's another story. A misanthrope? And here she is, ladies and gentlemen, Miss Anthrope. Uh, don't forget to tip your waitresses. <laughs> they already have them. <laughs> <laughs> so, <clears throat> have you ever, have you played uh, a uh, the out and out villain? Yes, actually, I have. I have, <sighs> and it's always fun. I always like playing those type of roles because you can really you can really have fun with them. Do you get to bite the furniture and chew on the walls? And oh, for sure, yeah. You go go full uh, full Nick Cage or full Al Pacino. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, that's that's the good times. I, I love playing those types of roles because they're you know you get to you get to have the kind of you know live out parts of yourself that aren't you know not you. Hopefully, a lot of people play the one in their life. But interesting, but yeah, you I mean, uh, it's fun. You say that I had a great conversation with James Coburn when we were doing the film Maverick. Oh, great. And uh, he was telling that he did uh, uh, Sister Act 2. He played the bad guy, the villain. Mm -hmm. And he kept saying to the uh, director and producers, he says, we need a scene in this film that shows why I am the villain. Right. All I'm doing is scowling a lot and trying to screw up whatever Whoopi Goldberg's trying to do, but right. it never says why. We need a scene that says why. Why am I doing this? I have to have some yeah. reason. And because of putting it up, putting it off, and he goes, listen, I gotta, I can't work after this date because I'm going to be doing Maverick. So if we're going to do it, we got to do it now. Nothing. He comes to work on Maverick. He's there about three days. He gets this call. Can you come in and shoot this scene that explains why you're the bad guy? He goes, no. <laughs> I can't. Too late. Uh, I love uh -huh. the in like Flint movies. 
But uh, so that happens. You sometimes just wonder what the world's going on. Have you ever been in a film where they they changed it? They started cutting and cutting and rearranging stuff that it didn't look anything like what you imagined it was going to look like? Yes, yeah, that happens. That sometimes happens, definitely. Because what was the uh, oh the one with uh, what's her name from uh, Basic Instinct? Uh, Sharon, oh, Stone. Sharon, Sharon Stone. Sharon Stone. Uh huh. And uh, was it the bald one? The other bald one? <laughs> the younger one. Oh, Silver. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. Where they changed the uh, the third act, and so they had to change the second act and leave the first act alone. And so anything that there was that was mentioned in the first act about the volcano and you know, this and that never paid off in the film. Oh no! Because they, yeah. they changed who the villain was. Everything. Oh gosh, gosh! I <laughs> mean, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah no that's sense. Not good. They should have brought in Richard Gere. <laughs> now that's uh, that's why you try to keep the studio out, fingers out of it. Yeah, yeah. you know the, yeah. the the whole crap with Brazil. Oh yeah, different endings for different countries. Yeah. Oh right. Yeah. And yeah, that's uh, true. the Sometimes. fight that you know that uh, he had to. Um... You have to have, have to have a happy ending for America. Oh, no. Right. And you that's... can have a normal ending for everywhere else. Although, the end of Once Upon a Time in America, where James Woods jumps into a trash compactor. I was, <laughs> I was just going to talk about that film, because um, the, uh, the, the American or theatrical lease here was, was awful. But was that the, the two-hour version or the four-hour? That's the two-hour. The full version is a, is a cinematic masterpiece. Four-hour, yeah. I like the four-hour one. The two-hour one, I yeah, didn't care Just for. like, uh, you know, the entire Das Boot miniseries. It's tremendous. Yeah. Which one? Das Boot. Uh, that's the uh, uh, that was the mini series they did in Germany for, uh, about the World War II U boats. Oh, and uh, that's a fabulous World War II movie. I don't like war movies. I don't understand. That's them. interesting. I I am a huge fan. You know, I don't from you do, you know, no, Ron I Silent don't like Run them at all. I never could grasp. They never made sense to me. Why are these people who don't know each other killing each other and on, on organized structural things like? We're going to meet on this hill and try to kill each other. We've never met. We don't know each other. And we're going to kill as many of each other as possible. And the person who kills the most wins. What do you win? And why? I mean, just I, my child brain could not comprehend any rational problem-solving value to war. Which there isn't any, I guess. So that, that, that's probably why I'm drawn to the interpersonal dramas of these movies. Mm -hmm. Like Run Silent, Run Deep, or uh, In Harm's Way, uh, or the uh, one of my favorites, uh, um, The Enemy Below with Kurt Jurgens and Robert Mitchum. Well, Robert Ooh. Mitchum has some enemies below, too, but he, <laughs> he made it through okay. He got, boy, he got busted for pot a couple of times back when that was really bad news, 1950s. Oh, I he was like, yeah, that was that was very controversial back in those days. Well, oh, that, yeah. you know, that explains the uh, his the, the film noir he did um, where he had his, his knuckles ta uh, tattooed. Oh, oh, that's an incredible film. And it's so I have weird. the Criterion selection. I think no, the, uh, this is the right hand. This is the left hand. This is love. This is hate. Yes. Yeah. Then he beats up, uh, what's your name, the silent movie actress. <laughs> Oh, yeah, well, yeah, but that entire film is just it's so... A very bizarre film. Um, Avant-garde in its entire, entirety. It's a famous movie, the name of which I can't think of at the time. Uh, do you know what year it came out, or roughly what year? Yeah, it was in the 50s. 
Fifty. Robert oh, Mitchell's a very famous film, and what's her name's in it? The famous silent movie I, actress. I, uh, I thought it was Shelley Winters. No, well, Shelley Winters is in it playing a prostitute. She didn't have to do a lot of research. She didn't just take that part lying down. <laughs> da dum bump. <laughs> we need a little rim shot here every once in a while. He's looking it up. Okay, Night of the yeah, Hunter. Oh, Night of the Hunter. Night of the Hunter, where the kid oh, figures out it, he's yes, a bad guy. Yes, I've not seen the movie, but I should check it out. You definitely should. Um, it is so strange because it, it does about three quarters of the way through the film. It shifts its entire feel and presentation. It's very peculiar. It's kind of like watching Old Yellow, and it turns it into... Uh, that, you know, it's a trial of Nuremberg. Oh, geez. <laughs> it just oh totally gosh. changes. The but whole he life. is one of the creepiest oh. bad guys yeah. on film Excellent. in this movie. Excellent. Kind of I'll right up there with, um, uh, well, Burt Lancaster as the preacher. Oh, wow. Oh, God. Uh, fire and brimstone and, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Elmer Gantry. Thank you. Yeah. See? I'm just a treasure trove of misinformation. I can even tell you which one of the three Stooges never got slapped. <laughs> oh, yeah. Who, who, which one? Mo? No, Joe Besser. Joe Besser, yeah. Joe Besser had in his contract, he, that's when they were doing the singing and dancing ones in 3D, that Joe Besser had in his contract that he never got slapped. Oh, interesting. And he didn't. And then when he quit, uh, then he was replaced by Joe Dorita. And I never could figure out what the appeal of Joe Dorita was, but... He was big and large and his, yeah. was bald, and they called him Curly Joe Dorito. Well, uh, let's see. Uh, um, Shemp was originally yes. the Three Stooges on stage, but he got a contract as a regu- as a uh, theatrical performer, a straight performer. And his brother, uh, younger brother, uh, Curly, took the, the two-reel role. Yeah. And when Curly had his stroke... They had to, they, they, uh, Mo went back to his older brother and said, hey, you know, come well, back. Can you help Little us out? Sheba. We are under contract and we can't do our shows. So that's when Shemp came on. Curly did oh. one Afterwards, cameo yeah, yeah. on a train. I remember that. Yeah. But uh, he was uh, he was incapacitated, basically. Oh, no. Almost all didn't... of those people had horrible deaths except for Mo. And horrible wow. I mean, they all like, had strokes. Probably from all the matzo ball soup and. Well, I remember. <laughs> I remember going to the old, the uh, the uh, uh, theater old folks home there off the freeway, and meeting Larry. Did you? Yes, and what a what a what a lovely gentleman. Um, he was just old. Uh, I don't remember. I remember uh, Mo <laughs> being on one of the talk shows when I was a kid, and showing uh, the. I'm going to make an. I'm going to make an educated guess. It was um, uh, the. Um, uh, geez, Lori worked for him. Not. What the name the porn film was it? Uh, showing him how to throw pies. Oh yeah. Oh, do you have to know how to throw a pie? I was hit in the face with pies several times in my career by people who didn't know how to throw them. Well, actually, you know, they just didn't like you. <laughs> yes, that's true too. But you put the two together, and it's a painful experience. When someone comes in and smashes you in the face with a pie tin or a paper plate covered with whipped cream, it doesn't matter. They're hitting you full on in the face. It's still unpleasant. Like, we're going to shoot you with blanks. Don't worry, they're blanks. Yeah. <laughs> it still hurts. We're covering all of the aspects. Hey, when they, shoot you, uh, when they shoot you in the movies, and you've been shot a few times, 
Mm-hmm. Do they squib you with like your little exploding clothes and stuff? Um, I've I've not had the squib with the clothes mostly. I've just done we've done like with the blood and the and the, they did a bullet hole on my head and stuff. So we never had an exploding squib. So um, I've yet to work with those, but they they always look cool. I always wanted to try them. Yeah, they can. It's interesting how the how producers directors will discuss how realistic or unrealistic they want that to be. Like if it's a PG movie, they'll have to be like poof, a little puff. The, you know the shirt fabric breaks and the person falls down. Where if it's a, a, a you know mm-hmm. hard R, these blood flies out in all directions. I don't mm-hmm. want to see how it works in real life because I've been a big fan of seeing people get shot. For that's real. A, that's interesting. The yeah. uh, the art director wa- uh, went up to to Hitchcock, and he's and he had uh, he had um, drawings. What do you call the drawings? Uh, storyboard. Uh, storyboards. And he said, okay. We can make this so realistic uh, when we stab her. Uh, oh, for Psycho? Yes. Uh, you know, and here's, you know, the knife and how it works. And Hitchcock looked at it and he said, that's not how you generate suspense and fear. I'm watching the actual, the actual knife it just as a shock for a moment. But it's over. Which is why he said it's much better to show people the bomb under the chair and the good guys trying to go and disarm it for 20 minutes than just to have it blow up. Right. Right. So that's that's why the scene is so uh, jerky cut with her trying okay. to defend herself. And you really never see, you know, you see the blood, but never see the knife. Never see the knife. go with. You do see her nipples, however. By the way, jer- <laughs> jerky cut, oh. does that come in... Uh, Turkey? Yes, yeah. it does. Yeah. I love that. You love that. Spicy pepper, pepper yeah. too. Yeah. So someone said, is that really her? And Hitchcock said, no, it's a midget. <laughs> but one of the oh little quick goodness. cuts in there is her topless, which is somebody topless. Maybe it was a topless midget. Uh, uh, no. Do you ever, have you ever had a body double in a film? Um, no. No, I haven't. Stunt, Not yet. Stunt double? Um, nope. I've done my own stunt. Wow. Impressive. Wow. Well, when you're being chased by a twenty, uh, you know, a forty-foot spider spewing lava, that's impressive. Right. <laughs> well, she can run fast. Either the spider runs yeah. awful damn slow. <laughs> Got to make sure my cardio's up. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's being chased by Nicholas Cage across a hotel room lobby. <laughs> well, that's an entirely different story. Entirely different. She wasn't running that fast. Okay. <laughs> so, I, uh, in, in in doing some research, you've mentioned that uh, some people you would like to work with. And you mm-hmm. mentioned Kevin Spacey as being the consummate actor. Unfortunately, that's not going to happen. Right. Yeah, you know, I, I agree. He's just tremendous on screen. Oh, yeah. Well, I yeah. think he should be working. Why is he not working? Uh, because he got railroaded. Well, I know that, but uh-huh. that, the people have been railroaded before and come back. Well, apparently within the, the woke society, there's no second chances or forgiveness. Oh, that's ridiculous. The yeah, guy is so he, talented. Oh, and that, oh, he's an incredible actor. And the person who had all those complaints about him, the fact that the whole thing was thrown out. Yes. Yeah, yeah we know. It was, yeah. Whole, it, was all, it was all garbage. But So with, with Kevin out of the picture, who would you like to work with that you have? Hmm. Oh, I was just thinking that, well, there's, there's quite a few, but um, I mean, some of my favorites, I, I love Christian Bale. I think he's amazing. Um, to me, he's a chameleon. You know, I, I, I love him. I love Benicio Del Toro, I think is amazing. Um 
gosh, there's, there's so many great actors I would still love to work with. Absolutely. How about directors? Um, Oh, directors. Oh, yeah. Uh, gosh. I mean, where do I start? I, I'm, I'm a huge John Carpenter fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would love to work with, absolutely love to work with John Carpenter. Um, I love Wes Anderson. I love his work. I was just going to go there. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's, he's one of my favorites, too. I, I absolutely love Wes Anderson films. Um, I, I didn't like yeah, the uh, cartoon, the cartoon dogs, uh, the last film. Yeah. Wasn't one of yeah. my favorites. Name, name a film I like by him that I know. Oh, the one with, uh, oh, boy, they're all with Bruce Willis. The uh, the kids in the tent. Kids in the tent? Yes. and you know, they're, they're like they boys in the hood with the uh, kids in the tent? Con- <laughs> con- consummate their relationship. And the, uh, uh, the little island that they were on, the whole, that movie. Oh, oh the, the, yeah, that one. Yeah. I didn't see it. <laughs> no, I, I, I am a fan. Yeah, he's great. I, I, I've always always liked his, his films. Like, he's very, got his own style, you know, absolutely. Um, David Fincher, I love, too. You know, he's done some incredible, incredible things. So, yeah, there's definitely, I have a list of directors I, I definitely would love to work with, for sure. One of the, one of the questions that I, uh, it's almost obligatory to ask, you know, what haven't you done? But going over your resume, that's pretty moot. You've, what you've, you've done, done everything. everything. <laughs> so other than being a barista at a Starbucks, <laughs> yeah. is there something in the in the business that you would like to do that you haven't? Um, uh, yeah, I would love to. I would myself love to direct at some point, someday at some point. I, I absolutely love also being behind the camera and um, producing and directing. So, yeah, I definitely would like to have more opportunity to do that in the future. You did direct a short, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I directed a music video as well, yeah. I like, well, that was I like, the, but that yeah. wouldn't be for your music video, would it? Yes. It, it was, yeah. <laughs> I did my own music video. Um, but yeah, I would like to do a feature-length film. That would be incredible. And I'm developing some ideas right now, so you never know. Burl has a fabulous... What? A fabulous idea for for a movie. Two of them, actually. Which what is it? Well, one would be the, <laughs> the counterfeit resurrection of Phil Champagne. Oh, counterfeit resurrection of Phil. Those are based on books of uh, yes, yes. And then you know anything anything to do with Punch and oh, his, uh, but, uh, yeah. his thievery. Yes. Oh, that's you know how show business is. Uh, the great Stuart Benjamin who produced uh, Ray. You know the Ray Charles story. Yeah. And uh, I think it only has about four different Academy oh, Awards under his belt. He's uh, a nice guy. Really wanted to do a series of films based on a book of mine that's not out yet called Stealing Manhattan, which is the true story of the world's, or at least America's, greatest diamond thieves who never Ooh. got caught. Nice. Yeah, over a billion dollars of diamonds, gold, precious gems, got away with okay. everything. <laughs> Except for his son didn't, but the main guy did. And, uh, wow. Uh, had five offices in the Diamond District, very respected, totally respectable, and he had six crews working for him. Incredible. Oh my God. It's like B.B. Cooper. In the, yeah, in the it's, 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 yeah, and he got, got away. He came to this country in 1957, left in about 2003, or no, a little bit after that, and retired. Never a day in prison. Never uh, uh-huh. In fact, the chief of police in New York at one time came... Uh, over the restaurant, we were sitting and having dinner and bought him a drink. He said, remember, Stan, all the guys in your crew have to have real jobs. You can't just do this for a living. <laughs> <laughs> but the cool thing he is that... He was a successful one. <laughs> very, every, everybody was in on it. The uh, the people getting robbed because they were insured for over $100 million or more. 
the safe companies were going to sell them their new safe <laughs> after they got robbed. Yeah. The security <laughs> firms, uh, everyone. Everyone was in a victimless crimes. Everybody was in on it. Over a billion dollars. So it's a, well, it's a fun story. So we're working on that one. And Phil Champagne, you'd like this. Uh, Phil Champagne died in a tragic boating accident. Uh, 1982, I think. 1992, they found him alive under a different name. Oh, wow. Counterfeiting. Uh, counterfeiting $100 bills in a tiny shed in Idaho. <laughs> oh, my God. He says oh, uh, he didn't uh, fake his death. He just didn't contradict it. <laughs> wow. He didn't know he was I'm dead till he read it in the newspaper. All things considered, <laughs> he took it rather well. Uh, that's incredible. That's a successful, I guess, I don't want to say criminal, but I, mean, I guess it is. I mean, I think he got away with it. That's incredible. Yeah, well, they got him on the, on the counterfeiting, but he wouldn't, he had a different name by then. And because ah. they, but they figured out he wasn't who he said he was, but they didn't know who he really was. And he wouldn't tell them. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And finally, just by a bizarre turn of events, they found out who he really was. And he went, this, they thought he was a, they thought he was a criminal mastermind. They had, wow. they thought they had pictures of him on a tank in Rwanda. They thought, they, I mean, they thought he was like an international man of mystery. No, oh he was just this guy who fell off a boat. The family thought he was dead. He wasn't. He ran away from home. <laughs> but they, All those years later. It's a weird thing that uh, prosecutors try to do. Uh, uh, the son of the, the jewel thief guy, who also became a fantastic jewel thief, but he did go to prison. They tried to pin on him sending rocket launchers to Bosnia, which he had nothing to do with whatsoever. But he had to spend a fortune of his ill-gotten gains on attorneys proving, no, I wasn't sending rocket launchers to Bosnia. Oh, my goodness. That is, that is a crazy story. Yeah, it's, it's strange. So uh, you'd be wonderful in any of those films. In fact, you could probably play Phil. <laughs> <laughs> as, as Phil said to a producer, a director named Anthony Spinner, who was interested in the story one time, he wanted to make all these changes. And the changes were all so stereotypical. How about if Phil has a, uh, Phil's uh, new wife has a brother who's a private eye? And, <laughs> you, know, oh, no. you, know, all, you know, all the typical stuff. And Phil said, I don't care if they make me a cartoon mouse, just write me a check. <laughs> exactly. That's the spirit. <laughs> so you could you could play Phil. That would be great. Why not? It would be diverse. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to do a great heist film. I love heist movies. Oh, really every every heist film you've ever seen is based on a heist done by my friend and his father. Incredible. They did all these cinematic style. Well, they actually the cinemas came after. It's like uh, Inside Man, where the guys inside the inside the safe. Waiting to get out a long time later. That that was a technique used by uh, by uh, Mr. Stan. He would do that. He'd actually they'd be trying to catch him. And they couldn't catch him because he was inside the safe. <laughs> oh my gosh, unbelievable. So basically Ocean's Eleven and all that. All that stuff, stuff yeah. All, Incredible. All based on things that uh, they did, although no one knew who did them at the time. But now we do know uh, who did them who worked with them. And unlike the mafia, where you don't dare leave and they'll kill you to get more share of the money, it was exactly the opposite. People could come in, do one heist, use the money uh, to put up an office building or something. As my friend said, I can look at the New York skyline and look at the different skyscrapers and tell you which heist helped paid 
for the skyline of Manhattan. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Also, Rob Trump Tower. It was great fun. (laughs) (laughs) That is great. You have a great great career behind you and in front of you. You're just getting, you know, you keep moving up in this echelon. You wind up on the the red carpet, whether it's red or not. That's right. (laughs) And so you're getting more and more better known because of your cheekbones, probably. <laughs> Although you do look as good as a blonde as you do as a brunette. Oh, thank you, thank I, you. I, I like to switch it up from time to time. Yeah, it's, is that the only time you played a uh, woman of the afternoon? <laughs> afternoon. A woman of the afternoon. You know what? That, I think that was the first time, and I, I, I was joking about it. Said finally, I know I've arrived because I get to play a prostitute. <laughs> yes, that, that's when you have never on Sundays. See, I mean, that boosted her career. Uh, yeah. Shirley McLean. Deep boy. Yeah, yeah. I have a mind like a steel trap. The rusty, <laughs> but I, I mean, I remember what I had for breakfast, but I can remember who was in a movie. It's, it's the most amazing thing about the human mind. Yes. But have you ever looked over your resume? You've done a lot of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, why, don't, why don't you talk about your music career? Oh, yes. Well, I have, I've also, yep, I also do music and I've released... Uh, a couple, three albums actually at this point, and I'm working on releasing a new single. So that's my other thing I do. My other passion is, is music. Um, I, I write, I produce, I record. I do it all pretty much myself. I do collaborate with people, but I mainly work on my own right now. So, yep, that's my other, that's my other thing I do, which kind of keeps the balance between the acting and the music. And you're a former equestrian. equestrian. I grew up on... She's um, famous for horsing around. They're not kidding. Yeah. (laughs) I grew up in a a rural uh, Michigan area where, you know, everybody had farmland and and Mm -hmm. horses. So I I spent my childhood um, riding trails and riding in the the woods, which I love. So, yeah, I'm a big horse person. Yeah, a very good friend of mine uh, has all these great pictures of her and her horse, of course, leaping over these things in competitions. Yes. Yes. How do you teach do the horse to do that without it going, hell no? Absolutely. Oh, <laughs> you have to train them a lot. The people that work with them, when you're training a horse, you have to really, from the young age, you have to just keep keep going and keep working with them. It's not easy. It's not easy. Sometimes they don't want to jump at all. And they no, I don't blame them. Short. And you get a <laughs> yeah. refusal. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah, do it. Yeah. <laughs> now you called know, your... It's amazing. They, they do what we ask them to do most of the time, but, you know, horses definitely have a mind of their own. They're definitely strong-willed. Yeah. Yes, well, you know, I noticed that the only time I've, times I've worked with, because I come from a small town also, Walla Walla, Washington. Mm-hmm. Burrell is capable of leaping a peanut and a single bound. That's right. Her first band was called Acid Betty. Did you all wear paisley outfits and write your name in the air with cigarettes? <laughs> yes, yes. It was based on a, like a character we were trying to develop at the time, like a kind of a, an anime type of character. And um, yeah, it was that was my first band when I moved to Los Angeles. That was the first thing I did. Dare I ask what kind of music Acid Betty played? Um, it was mostly like alternative uh, type of rock, alternative rock music. Yeah, what what instrument? Uh, I, I was a singer in the band. Oh, she was that a singer in a rock and roll band. band. Yeah. Just a singer yeah, in a rock and roll band. <laughs> that one I was just singing on. Sometimes I play guitar, sometimes I sing, but that one I was just the lead singer for that. Oh. I just wrote an article about one of my, my one and only really long conversation with Jim Morrison, which was summer of 1969. Oh, really wow. interesting considering how idolized he is. And I have one to say, you know, I'm not really into this whole 
idolization of rock performers thing. It just seems stupid to yeah. me. He says, yeah, we just like hanging out with our fans like normal people. We were just in the Grand Oregon and we went out and bumped around and did this, that, and the other. Because I think it's ridiculous to put, you know, rock stars on a pedestal. Yeah. Because <laughs> he's dead, boom. How soon can we put this body on a pedestal? Yeah, but if oh, yeah. you do that, then you can't drop names. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you know, you know what's what's like I, I drop her name all the like time. Me if you can't do a little name dropping, that's right. <laughs> that's why I make a point to meet as many people whose names I could drop as humanly possible. Now exactly. Matt carries his in a large bag. Yes, Sometimes he'll just drop the entire bag and not even use the names. But he has a special plate <laughs> so that when the name drops, it makes the correct sound. Right, right. Yeah. You gotta be, you gotta be strategic in the name dropping. Oh wait, yeah, very the gravitas of the name. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's very important. <laughs> there are some places where you drop John's name, and they're gonna go. Oh, you talk to her. She played the hooker in that movie with Nicolas Cage. Or the, she's the one who got chased by the spider. That's right. That's her. <laughs> do, do you, you have to have the appropriate fear. Do you have to practice like in the dressing room first? Like the spider is going to be coming for you, John. Oh, yeah. I've, I've got a lot of practice running away from spiders at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I've just befriended them now. I just I just make friends right away. Oh, right away. Here's Spidey, yeah. Spidey, Spidey, Spidey. Exactly. Have you ever shown up? Oh, uh -oh. you hear that musical cue? Thank you so much for joining us. This has been Thank fun. you. And if they make a movie out of uh, Mia Bosazia's book, you can play Mian. <laughs> I will see if Mian's okay with that, but I, I would be honored. <laughs> okay. Thanks again, John. Thanks for joining us. John Mack, ladies and gentlemen. What's, hey, what's next? What's next? Magic Ben Allen of the Deepest Effect in his life the Line of Lounge. I know you can see me now, here's a surprise I know that you have, cause there's magic in my eyes I can see for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles Oh yeah If you that I don't know about the little tricks you play And never see you when deliberately put things in my way Well here's a poke at you You're gonna choke on it too You're gonna lose that smile Because all the while I could see for miles and miles I could see for miles and miles you see for miles and miles and miles and miles and miles, 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 oh yeah. You took advantage of my trust in you and I was so far away. I saw you holding lots of other guys and now you've got the nerve to say. That you still want me Well that says maybe But you gotta stand trial Because all the while I can see for miles and miles I can see for miles and miles I can see for miles and miles and miles and miles, and miles. 
deceived me Now here's a surprise I know that you have Cause there's magic in my eyes I can see for miles and miles and Tower in the time all night to see on clear days. You thought that I would need a crystal ball to see right through the haze. Well, here's a poke at you, you're gonna choke on it too, you're gonna lose that smile because all the while I can see for my. 